Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. You can learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us on Sunday mornings at El Dorado High School in the Performing Arts Center at 9 and 11 a.m. Am I here? Am I on? Nope. Hello, hello. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is a New Year's Day crowd, if this isn't one. You know, we started talking about what we wanted to do for New Year's Day um, earlier this year, and we this totally advocates. Next year, we have to do this, but I want to do like a live variety show and just have you guys stay at home and sit in your beds. I was going to show off like my favorite Bloody Mary recipe. Izzy was going to do some cover songs that involved cats. Yeah, that was gonna that was gonna be some fun stuff. So um, naturally, this crowd's gonna feel rough because there's like ten people here. So <laughs> um, hope you guys enjoyed a little 2016 tribute music that I gave you guys coming in here. I was clearly missing the mark though with my lack of David Bowie that was in there. So we'll have to I'll make it up for the next service. But um, so yeah, I am coming in here to announce that the Ducks are gonna be now the official team of the Vox community. Given the outrageous tragedy that happened with Ohio State last night, I'm told. I don't care. I don't watch football. Who gives a rip? But when the cat's away, the mice get to play. So that's what's going on. Ducks fans? Yes? Yeah, here we go. Okay. Yeah, we got a few. We got a few. Um, so, yeah, so I'm feeling good. Lost to the Sharks the other night, so that's my, that's my big lament. Um, yeah, Mike is in Indiana right now. He got, uh, he's speaking at a conference. So today we have Bonnie Lewis here with us again. So, yeah, we're super excited to have Bonnie and uh, hear her again. Um, but, yeah, so for those of you that have uh, lamented a lot of the deep loss of 2016, um, I felt it could get a little bit crazier uh, for myself. So, um, Bob, can you put up that slide I asked you to, to put up here? So, I had two kids. I thought I'd make it three for 2017. So, in May, that's my boy Shepard. So, he's in there in the oven right now. So, he's going to come out hot. So, that's going to be... Uh, that's how I'm taking in 2017, so um, uh, I'm pretty excited. So yeah, this is, uh, this is Vox Community. Uh, we're a church that was actually started out of a podcast um, with Mike Erie. Uh, one of our core values here is that uh, church is the, uh, should be the safest place to talk about anything. Uh, so there's a couple ways that we do that. Um, in a moment, we're going to have a story um, here. Um, for those of you that this is your first time or you're returning and you haven't had a chance to connect with us, uh, we really like to hear your feedback about your experience and, and what it's like attending here you know, for that very first time. Uh, we've got that at an email at uh, feedback at voxoc.com. Um, and then leave this up here, Bob. Uh, while the service is going, we actually also have a phone number that you can ask in questions. Um, for the past couple months, Mike has been starting off the services by actually addressing this Q&A by answering some of your guys' questions that you've been asking. And a lot of that has been shaping the service and how we actually get to know you guys. And it's been amazing because it's really curtailed what we might expect is um, valuable to you. But some of the questions that we get are so incredible that we, we can't help it. Like, we've got to answer these questions and we've got to give you guys um, some clarity in some of those answers. So uh, you can take a picture of that um, write it down. Um, so even while Bonnie is teaching today, uh, I think it'll be fun for Mike next week to figure out how to answer questions <laughs> to something that Bonnie's going to teach on. Uh, so that, that's going to be uh, pretty great. Um, but yeah, so in addition with uh, the safest place uh, to talk about anything um, and to be in process, um, I took the liberty 
of flying in Mariah Carey to tell her story today about her experience last night. <laughs> nope. So actually, yeah, that's, anyhow. Mariah Carey, anybody? Um, anyhow, so Greg, go ahead and come on out here. This is Greg, everybody. Yeah. Oh, shoot. You know what? Let me, um, let me, Izzy, can you, thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. So this, yeah, I know you and Mariah, so similar. It's the hair. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Greg has been a part of uh, our team um, for a few months now. Thank you. Um, and yeah, he, uh, he was gracious enough to give up his New Year's Day morning to, to share a little bit about um, his journey and how you ended up here at Vox. Happy to, happy to. Yep, there you so go. Take it away. what I came to realize, though, Andy, is, you know, I was wondering why I was chosen to, to share a story. And then after I realized that Mike wasn't here, I, I, then I was like, you wanted to see a familiar visage, though maybe not as good looking right. as Mike. Right, but black t-shirt, right. khaki, khaki and right. sandals, exactly. and like a hair. So this is, this is the best. We get impersonators today, folks. So that, yeah, so that way you guys <laughs> can feel at home, right? So, All right, my name, as you know, is, is Greg, and I help out with uh, setup and teardown and hospitality here. There you go. Uh, I'm, I attend here with my wife and my, my two sons. Um, preparing for Christmas was pretty stressful this year. I don't know if anybody else went through the same thing. Um, work was pretty brutal, and uh, our weekends were filled up with uh, wrestling commitments with my son being a freshman, and then also uh, being here at church, which were good stresses, but it was stress, you know, nonetheless, and I just felt like I was never catching up. Um, but on top of that, we experienced a lot of family drama this year. And that caused additional stress and pain and hurt in the family. Um, so it just felt like more like Chevy Chase being in Christmas Vacation than it did Norman Rockwell. Um, Which I prefer, personally. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, you know, it just didn't seem like a good way to be remembering uh, Christ's birth. Um, I grew up Catholic, went to CCD, and accepted Christ in the Catholic Church, which, you know, might be shocking for some people. Um, as... As a teenager, I started going to a community church youth group, and um, what I found was that no matter where you go, that people are prejudiced. Uh, my Catholic friends would say, why are you going to a cult? And then my uh, friends from the community youth group would say, how can you be a Christian if you go to a Catholic church? Um, I knew both sides were good, um, but it just amazed me that we always do that to each other. Uh, and what I noticed over time was I was starting to become disenchanted with, with the church as we know it. And it seemed like it was happening all over the place. I felt like my tribe, as Mike likes to call it, um, was more into judging others, pointing out other people's sin, than we were about taking care of the poor, loving each other, uh, caring about the environment which God created for us. I was embarrassed to call myself a Christian and uh, wouldn't tell anybody I even went to church. Um, but then what I came to realize is that I was doing the same thing to Christians, that I was judging them for what they were doing to the rest of the world. Uh, I've always loved and been interested in other world religions and cultures. I studied them a lot in college. Uh, but I wouldn't tell my family because I was afraid of their judgment and them saying that I was going to lose my faith. But I found that it actually reinforced my faith because I always felt like I couldn't be good enough, and only by having my sins forgiven uh, could I be. Uh, in my 20s, I went through a really hard time. I was engaged to a woman who ended up uh, essentially bankrupting me. 
I was alienated from a lot of my family and friends. Uh, she stole from me, and then I finally ended things when I found out she was cheating on me. But what I was left with was no possessions, no place to live. I was working 20 hours a day between two jobs in different cities to try and just stay in front of bills. Um, I would sleep in offices that had showers or in my car. And then one night, um, I remember opening up my Bible and just asking for a word from God. And he gave me John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives is the peace I give. Uh, let your heart not be troubled and don't be afraid. And it was wild because in the midst of that storm, I felt Christ's peace, and it did, it totally, you know, um, was unbelievable. You know, it didn't make sense. My circumstances were the same. Um, I was still going through hurt, but I still had peace. Personally, I can be pretty sarcastic. Um, I can at times be selfish, self-centered, and stubborn. My wife, Sada, can attest to that. <laughs> also smart and funny, though, so no. I don't know if great she, cook from what we know. <laughs> I don't know if she would attest to that though. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, a bunch of years back, she and I attended a uh, study for couples, and what it taught us was to stop focusing on ourselves and our needs and start serving each other, which you know is pretty radical compared to like how our culture is. I think servitude is looked down on some in some ways, um, but we were trying not to pay back insult for insult and hurt for hurt, uh, but instead just trying to serve each other, and it really made a difference. Um, not just in our marriage, it was really huge in responding to the family drama that we experienced this, Christi this Christmas, um, trying to focus on my sin and to serve others. It freed me up to love those around me more, trying not to focus on our differences or their sins, as mine was pretty big to worry about. It feels so much better to say I'm sorry to somebody that you love, versus expecting them to apologize and maybe not getting it or having that apology not meet my expectations. That being said, I'm, I'm really comfortable inviting other people and my non-Christian friends, who are many, and I really love them dearly, about Vox. And I find, too, that now I'm wanting to develop relationships with fellow Christians, which wasn't the same in the past. I know we're not perfect, but I'm really blessed to be here at Vox and call everybody family. Happy New Year. Yeah, oh, I want to stay here just for one second. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so uh, what's fun is um, our first encounter uh, with Greg uh, wasn't face-to-face -face or anything. Um, he actually sent us in a little bit of artwork that you had worked on from That's something right. uh, from the podcast. Bob, can you put that up? <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had, we had an episode a while ago, and, and Mike decided to coin himself as Seismic Mike. So Greg went and took the liberty of, of giving us some visual uh, representation of what that, what that looks like. And so for that, we are very thankful. I don't, I, I don't want to do a spoiler, but I have a follow-up to this that I'm yeah. going to send. So. <laughs> awesome. Right on. Uh, thanks, Greg. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so yeah, you know, that's, you know that's, that's what we love to do. That's what we're about. Um, if you guys are willing to share just a little bit about your journey so we can get a chance to get to know you, um, let us know. You can uh, let, uh, let us know at feedback at voxoc.com. And uh, really, it's, we, we do this so we can um, have a better idea of, of who's in the room with us together as, as we do a lot of these different things. Um, and often it isn't that we're trying to give the entire life story of, of how you may or may not have come to Christ. It's rather like, you know, who are you now and, and what does that journey 
Bonnie actually look like. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're actually going to do a little bit of music here uh, before we get Bonnie going up. Um, and here's what I want to do. Uh, if I could, could I ask you guys to actually stand with me? And um, the reason is because as we kind of go into 2017, um, you know, I want to encourage you guys that we enter into it with, a, with somewhat of a state of declaration. Um, there's no denying how difficult last year was for a lot of folks and a lot of different people. And there's a couple ways that we can hold on to that. We can hope that 2017 is just going to reconcile everything that happened then, or we can look into 2017 and stand in a place that hopes um, for the kingdom of God to come, that hopes that we can become agents of reconciliation and agents of forgiveness to our friends, to our neighbors, to our community around us. Um, and so as we kind of go into worship this morning, um, I just invite you guys to maybe pause and find a moment of engagement that says, you know, I want this year to look different. And I, you know, uh, you know my prayer this morning for you guys is that um, in this room this morning, um, that we'd be willing to be surprised by God, that, um, that he would call us into some kind of engagement to meet him maybe for the very first time this year. Um, Jesus said that he didn't do anything that he didn't see the Father do first. And for us, that's often what we kind of forget. We have to remind ourselves. So um, as we kind of go into this, in this year especially, um, this is, can we stand as a symbol that declares, you know, we desire and that we have a prayer for God and we do it through worship and that, um, you know, God, would you show us what you would like us to do so we could then um, respond. And so thanks. You guys up late? I was not. I went to bed early as usual. But did anyone make a resolution? No one? I don't believe you. Maybe one person? I made one. Not be pregnant. That's my only resolution. I'm going to stick to it. And then not get pregnant the whole year. That's what we're doing. All right. I don't know how to lift this up. Do you know how? I was going to sit, but um, sitting and then standing. Yes, please. And then sitting again is like a little dicey. So I'm going to just try standing. Okay. Thank you. All right. So Mike said I could talk on anything. So today we're going to talk on... Um, the keys to the kingdom. It's in Matthew 16. We're going to pull it up on the screen right now, but if you have it, you can also look through um, the passage while we're talking about it. And we're talking about the keys of the kingdom because as I've shared before, when I shared my story here, um, I sort of enjoy a roadmap to life. I want to know what I can do to get where I need to go. And um, when we start the new year, when we do make resolutions generally, we do it because we sort of want answers. We have an idea of an outcome we want, and so we want to know how, how we can get there. And so I thought that was appropriate today, but um, how we're going to talk about it is this. We're going to um, discuss the biblical meaning of the keys to the kingdom, what they are, what they most certainly are not, and how it pertains to us. And when I say us, 
I mean three main groups of people um, in this room. Christians, non-Christians, and then Christians who feel marginalized by the general evangelical society sometimes. So let's, let's read together. Matthew 16, 18 through 19. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And we'll just stop right there real quick. When he says on this rock, um, the like connotation for that is that in um, ancient like Jewish literature and the way that societies were kind of formed is that a rock was someone that you would build a tribe around. And so Jesus is basically just telling Peter, on you and on the wisdom you have and the things that you'll write and the things that you will say and the way that you will lead, I will build my church. That's what I'm going to do. So that's just what he means there. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so let's just focus on the, the uh, word for keys. The Hebrew word for keys literally means like the opener, right? So it's saying something that you have a key that actually opens and unlocks something. It reveals something more than what you knew was behind a door. The Greek word is shutting it. It's the opposite. You have a power with a key to either open something or you have the power to shut something and lock it. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm going to give you those keys. I'm going to give you the power to open the kingdom or to shut the kingdom. And how you're going to do that is by binding and loosing. And what that means is in, um, they would use that phrase, binding and loosing, to talk about how one would interpret the Torah. So they would say, you can bind this and you can loose this. Bind this means, like, what is permissible? What can we take? And then loose is what, what's not permissible and what isn't allowed and what can be set free. So he's saying, I will give you the keys to the kingdom, the ability to open and close something based on how you read scripture, how you interpret it, how you bind it, and how you loose it. Um, one um, commentary actually said, this is a tough passage in general because uh, for centuries people have debated it, right? Like, who actually has the keys? Um, what does it mean? And should we make a list of like what things then fit in the kingdom as we're binding and loosing? And so people argue about it for centuries. And one commentator said, this is actually authority not only given to Peter, but it's given to all Christians, passed down. And it's actually referring to the Christian's ability to make the gospel of heaven and the gospel of Jesus and the kingdom available to non-Christians. It's saying how you bind and loose things, when you read scripture, how you interpret it, you actually have the power to make somebody open to the gospel or make somebody feel like, I don't want to be a part of that. And that's heavy, right? So let's begin first by discussing what the keys are not, okay? The keys are not a list of what's right and wrong. If we simply go through scripture and we interpret what um, we think is right and wrong and then we make a list and we say, that's it. These are the rules. This is what gets you in, what gets you out. We're missing the point. The keys are not that. The keys are also not a list of who is in or out, especially when they're based on arbitrary societal norms, right? 
I don't think this person's in. I don't think she's out. She might be in. Like, she was out yesterday because she was rude. It's not like that, okay? And they're also, they're not used to control access in which someone gets to stand on a pulpit or soapbox and tell you the way things are. That's actually called spiritual abuse. So if someone stands up anywhere, whether it be in your life, in a church, anywhere, and says, these are the rules, only these things, and you have to follow these rules, and you have to do X, Y, and Z, those aren't the keys to the kingdom either. You guys are very blessed, and we are too, because you don't belong to a church that does that. But a lot of churches do, and that's actually why you found yourself here. Right? And we see an example of why the keys are not these things in Luke 11.52. And um, I'll just read it real quick. It says, Jesus is talking, and he's talking to uh, the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. And one commentator says it, and I love it how he says it. He says, clearly then, by the Pharisees' approach to the scripture, Jesus, um, Jesus says that they are making it impossible for those who fall under the, their influences of their teaching to accept the revelation of Jesus and enter the kingdom. They're actually taking away the key to knowledge, which is interesting because you would think if Jesus is going to hand over the keys to the kingdom, right? He's going to hand over knowledge and wisdom. He would do it to the people that know their stuff. But he doesn't. He actually says, you guys are spending so much time opening and closing when you so choose. You're spending so much time making a list of what's in and what's out, who's in and who's out, that you're actually making it impossible to, for people to fall in love with me. And so that begs the question then, um, who does he give the keys to the kingdom to? We see that it's Peter. And uh, Peter, in the Gospels, is actually, the portrait of him is rather unique. Okay, He's um, impulsive, he's rash, he speaks his mind about everything, and often first. He's often first the disciple to come and say, wait, I think it goes this way instead. He um, is often typified for his enthusiasm. Like when he walks on water, Peter actually like commands Jesus, you tell me to walk. And then he jumps out of the boat. He doesn't wait for Jesus to go first. Um, he often speaks before he knows what he's even talking about. Um, he says, for example, you're never going to wash my feet to Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, you don't know that. Um, he also rushes to enter the tomb while other people stand outside and um, kind of awe that the tomb is empty. He just like goes straight in. He's very, um, just sort of does whatever he wants. But he's also the most similar to most of us, right? Like, I feel like I do that all the time. In fact, you can ask anybody that knows me, and like I constantly speak out of turn. I constantly say things I don't mean to say. <clears throat> but it's all these qualities about Peter that make a huge difference. In Mark 9, at the Transfiguration, Peter actually is the person to warn everyone that what's happening here is in reference to an Old Testament story and that they need to set up tents for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He has insight that no one else has. In Matthew 14, he's the only one that has enough faith to walk on the water. In Matthew 18, he's the one to, that asks Jesus to expand his teachings on forgiveness. He says, I don't understand. Can you, can you tell me more about that? He asks questions. 
He continually probes and prods until he understands what's happening. He was very prominent. A lot of times Jesus says to him, go tell all the disciples and Peter. He singles him out. In fact, in the garden, some commentators think when he rebukes the disciples for sleeping, he actually directs his remark directly only at Peter. You are the leader. Why is this happening? And in Mark 8, 27, Jesus tells Peter to get behind me, Satan. And so Peter is this like random disciple that we don't expect to see as the person who gets given this great gift. Um, this reminds me of this story that I read one time, and, um, and it, was about, it was about the canary, and it was about these miners, okay? And so back in the day, miners would go, they would go down, and they would um, bring with them a canary in a cage. And what the purpose of it is the canary would sing all day and make sounds and sing and just sort of be there. But they would know something was wrong in the mine when the canary stopped singing when the canary grew silent. Because what would happen is, is they'd be down in the mine, and they would just be having their heads down, and they're just digging, and they're just doing what they're supposed to do, and they would just hear this background sound of the canary. But that background sound of the canary, they knew that means that everything's okay here. The levels of the gas are safe for us to breathe, and we'll be fine. But as soon as they're working, and they're doing what they're supposed to do, and the canary stops singing, they knew there was a problem. Because with the um, levels of the air were unsafe, it would affect the canary first. So the canary served as a warning. If I stop singing, something's wrong. You have to get out of Dodge and get out of here, otherwise all of the miners would die. <clears throat> Peter served as a canary to Jesus. He was the one to say, hey, wait a second. What about this? And to the disciples, he'd say, I, I think something's wrong here. Can you explain that again? Wait, the empty tomb, and he just rushes right in. He was a canary. He served as a warning to people. Something's not right here. There's something more to this picture. For me, when I read this story, I read um, the canary in this book I was reading, and I read the story, I'm like, it just felt like this moment of freedom for me. I like rushed in to my husband. I'm like, listen to this. And I like read the whole story. And he's like, he's looking at me. And I'm looking at him. And I'm like, don't you get it? This means I'm not crazy. I'm just a canary. And he's like, oh, okay. But the truth is, is that like, that is sometimes how I feel. And maybe sometimes how you feel. We go to this. I belong to a house church that we go to each week. And um, my, my husband and I, and then like a few other people, we're sort of on the same canary lane. And we're constantly sort of pushing the envelope and asking questions. And if you've been, if you listen to um, my podcast or anything like that, I have a really big heart for the Muslim community. And so I'm constantly like talking about Muslims and refugees, even when it's not part of the conversation we're having. And at first I felt odd about that. And then I just realized, this is my role here. I'm the canary. I'm just here to serve as a warning to say, is there something more here? Are there more questions that we can ask about what we're saying to each other? And that's my role. And that was Peter's role, too. 
Because the truth is, is the keys to the kingdom do have to do with binding and loosing. I mean, they didn't put that in there just for no reason, right? But we have to live in a tension of how much we read scripture, we pray on it, we study it, and we decipher it, and how much we're paying attention. I used to be only in this camp. I'm only going to read. I'm just going to figure out what's right. I'm just going to pray. This is all I'm going to do. And I know a few people that are only in this camp. I'm only going to pay attention to what's happening in the world and in society. But the truth is, is we got to come together here in the middle. We got to figure out how we can live in attention of reading scripture, of understanding what it says, but also paying attention. We can't just keep our heads down in the mind the whole time. We have to look up. We have to pay attention. What is the spirit doing? What's he doing in your communities? What is he doing in your heart? What gets you excited? What gets you passionate? What makes you every single time you see it, hear about it, think about it, you cry? Pay attention to that. Dallas Willard said, having the keys is not a matter of controlling access to the kingdom, as it is often thought. Keys do not mean the right to control access, but actually the enjoyment of access. Imagine a man who carefully kept his doors locked and his keys in hand, but never went into his house. Having access to the kingdom, living in it, is actually what matters. We know in scripture that it says that um, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active. And so what that means is that there's a difference of reading scripture to form a list, to find keys, to find the answers, and then to just live like that, then to realizing that what we are reading is living and active and will always match up to what the Spirit's doing. It's actually impossible to interpret scripture without the Holy Spirit. They go hand in hand. And you actually also can't say, well, this is what the Spirit's doing, but then have no idea what Scripture says about that. There's a tension there. It goes together. And the keys to the kingdom are both. They are knowing what the Bible says, but they are being aware. It is asking questions of what's being said. What are our Christian friends saying? What are our non-Christian friends saying? Where is the world hurting? And what does the Bible say about that? And I find great hope in the fact that Peter's the one that gets the keys, right? He's not an example of the perfect disciple. He doesn't know all the answers. He actually is constantly rebuked and sort of pushed aside. But the truth is, is you can't decipher a text or determine what it says without the Spirit, and you can't know what the Spirit's saying without the text. But true enjoyment of the, of the kingdom and wisdom and understanding Scripture as we read it and we wrestle it is that we're paying attention. People often ask me, why do you cry so much? I know. And like that's before I'm pregnant, too. And um, I always used to say, like, I don't know if I've always done that. I'm just sensitive. I'm just sensitive. And then I realized... I'm not really that sensitive. I'm actually just cry a lot because I'm paying attention. Because for some reason, as a canary, the Spirit's given me the ability to look at people and to see hurt or to see happiness on a deep level. And I'm paying attention to that. And that shows up. But oftentimes I end up ignoring it 
or I don't match it up with what I know, and I just sort of shake it off as I'm kind of just sensitive. But I'm learning to lean into that more. I'm learning to lean in. What does that mean? Is there something more here? And as tough as it may be, and as much as people sometimes don't like it, part of being a canary is sometimes making mistakes, stumbling over it all, tripping over your words, being rash, being bold. That's part of it. It's part of the journey. So for many of us <clears throat> who've been Christians for a long time, is this is a challenge because we've often grown up in communities where binding and loosing scripture is the most important thing. What do you know? What does the Bible say about X, Y, and Z? And it's like sort of this like litmus test. I would fail that test so much. I'm that person, I, like, I really need um, those tabs. I don't even know where the books of the Bible are. And I um, would do terrible on that test. But a lot of the bigger picture of Christianity says there is a test and you do need to know the answers and you're not welcome here until you do. We had a team meeting this morning here and Andy shared that he said, I love that I can come to church and I can be myself and be open. He said, I'm so used to coming and feeling like everybody there is sort of on this level and I have to pretend to be on that level or I have to feel like I need to get to that level and then just then I can, I can belong. You know, my husband and I and son, we um, are going to Hawaii next week. And I know what you're all thinking, that seems crazy, you're due in a month, and it is crazy, and we are still going. But we decided when, um, like I booked the trip, and then I got pregnant, so we were like, well, what should we do? And I said, you know, I don't think we should go, like, our lives are such that, like, nothing really works out, really. And he was like, I know, you're right. And then he was like, you know what, though, like, nothing ever works out, so we might as well just be in Hawaii if it doesn't. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's true. Why not? So um, the truth is, is that like we have this, as Christians sometimes, if we've been in the church a long time, is we have this feeling of, am I going to live up to this test? Am I going to be able to fit in? Should I have everything worked out first? And the truth is, is we have to learn that we can't. You can do as much binding and loosing, as much interpreting. You can make lists all day long. And we have to remember what Jesus says to people that do that. You're actually inhibiting people of seeing my beauty and my love and my passion when you just make it about a list. And for non-Christians, I think there's a beauty in you and in your questions and in your doubts that we just don't have sometimes as a Christian community. You have nothing to lose. When you ask a question, you don't need to be right. It doesn't matter to you if, you're, if, it's, if someone says, oh, that's not true, that is true, because you're there to learn. You have an openness and a willingness to learn that sometimes we don't have as Christians. That's needed. That piece of conversation, those questions, those doubts, we need you at the table. Because you remind us that the Spirit is moving always, in a million ways, and in a million different people. That it's not just about us coming to church and being good disciples. That it's about what Jesus is doing in the world. And for marginalized Christians, 
I just want to give you some encouragement, and that's this. I want you to look for the canaries. Sometimes that's probably you, and that's why you feel marginalized. You care deeply about something that the larger church just doesn't or feels like they don't. Or you have a conviction about Scripture that you don't feel like it's shared, but you can't let it go, and so you keep asking questions about it. I grew up um, as a Christian, like, since I was born, in churches, and I often sometimes feel marginalized. In my own, not in my own community, because now I've found communities like you in our house church, but for a long time, that's how I felt. And I would say, gosh, what's, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Why, why do I care about this? And no one else seems to care. And now I know why. Because canaries are part of the conversation. And so if you do feel marginalized, look for the canaries. You aren't alone. And some of the best groups and some of the best movements and some of the best support areas and the ways that make change and the way God ushers in the kingdom is through people like you who sense that something's wrong and they want to make a change. So find each other. Because the truth is, is we've all been given keys of the kingdom. It started with Peter, but it actually is extended to all of us. But we have to help each other. The people who spend too much time studying and making lists need help from those that are like totally paying attention. And the people that are so paying attention that sometimes don't study enough, they need help from the others. We have to find grace for each other and we have to meet each other in the middle and we have to spur each other on. That's the only way this thing's going to work. That's the only way 2017 can be a different year for many of us. So it's going to start at grassroots. The changes we want to see, the people we want to be, it's going to happen when we come together. It's not going to happen by a list of rules, and it's not going to happen because we don't do anything. It's going to happen because we do both. <clears throat> so these are all things we need to inwardly look. Who are you? What do you spend your most time doing? What do you feel like you need to spend the most time doing? Where do you feel like you need to give yourself permission and grace and give others permission and grace. And so today we're going to bring those questions to the table. We have communion stations set up, the gluten freeze over here for anyone that needs it. But also I want to extend one more aspect of this. When people give permission for worship like we do up here, the permission isn't um, the permission is for both sides, right? The permission is for those who love to stand and worship, we want you to do that. We want you to be yourself. We want you to be bold. We want you to be brash. Whatever it is that you need to do to worship, we want you to do that. And then the permission is also granted to those that don't feel comfortable. All are welcome. We can all learn from each other. We can all grow from each other. And we can all appreciate the beauty that Jesus is in each of us. So um, Izzy's going to lead us in worship, and we're going to bring these things to the table. What can we bring to the conversation so that we can all meet at the table together and learn and converse together? We're going to do um, just leave you guys with a little benediction. So if you will stand, if you are willing and able, and hold out your hands. A phrase that I love that you hear Jesus say in the Gospels all the time is he says, um, you have been healed or your sins are forgiven and go in peace. So what we want to give to you today is just wherever you are on your journey, there's a place for you. 
And so um, we just ask that today you would go in that peace, the peace that you are welcome, you are loved, you are heard, and we are so happy to have you here. Go in peace. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.